Colossians chapter 2, we're going to finish the chapter this morning, and uh, we'll look at a few things, and we're going to start in verse 16, read down through the end of the chapter, and I'll look at a few things, and, and uh, have you ever been intimidated by someone's uh, stand on something, their beliefs, and, and uh, because they seem to know uh, something or everything uh, about a topic, and, and uh, that you, maybe you didn't know or you weren't comfortable with? Uh, I've felt that way before. <laughs> Um, I, and I think we all, at some point or another, have had those types of a feeling, right? You're, and I remember, especially as a, as a young Christian, is just, boy, how do these people, you know, they know so much. And, and some of them are so strong and, and confident in, in what they believe. And, and uh, I've felt that way before. And, uh, but <clears throat> after making some things clear about that Jesus is all that we need and he's the fullness, uh, Paul addresses some heresies or false teachings here and of his generation, and really they're, they're still alive and, and well today. Um, maybe they don't use the same terms or names and things uh, as we see Paul using, but uh, these things are definitely prevalent, and um, <clears throat> we got to be careful. Sometimes people can get a little arrogant uh, about uh, their stand on some stuff. And so let's see what the Lord has for us this morning in, in uh, verse 16. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you uh, of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in, <clears throat> excuse me, in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh." Father, we do thank you, Lord, for uh, today. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, once again gather together as a, as a church family. And Lord, we just pray for your blessing on your word as it goes forth. Pray that everything would glorify you. And Lord, that you would give each one of us something today that would help us to be uh, a better servant of Christ, Lord, and that we would be more charitable. And Lord, that we would, uh, Lord, just be able to serve you in a greater capacity. And we'll give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Paul addresses some stuff, and I think we can, it's pretty obvious, he addresses some legalism, if you want to use that term here. And, and uh, if you want, I encourage you, uh, just as a reminder, read Romans 14. Uh, what, a, what a great reminder of how we ought to walk charitably. Um, and so sometimes, but we, we do deal with these things in, in churches where, uh, people, it says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or a new moon or the Sabbath days. Um, and uh, when you see the word therefore, what do you do? You go back and see what it's there for, right? Um, and that's kind of, I've heard people say that over the years. And, um, <clears throat> and, and so it, obviously it's referring to what Paul has written uh, to explain really kind of what we've looked at over the last few weeks a little bit is, is Jesus is all we need. Um, and so, uh, therefore, you know, we, we're not going to let folks judge us in that, if you will. And, 
And uh, <clears throat> there are five items mentioned in verse 16 uh, that kind of are all part of a legalistic attitude, if you will. And, and uh, in Judaism, all meat or food fell into two categories, clean and unclean. It's pretty simple, right? And, and uh, kind of black and white, if you will. And uh, about three-fourths of all, and I didn't know this, of all prepackaged food in the United States today has some kind of kosher certification. Did you know that? I did not know that. Here's some more interesting stuff. It says, and obviously that, that's, which means that it's allowed by the Jewish law. And, but their letter U, and you can look at your, your, the stuff in your refrigerator when you get home or in your pantry. Um, in a circle and the letter K in a triangle are registered trademarks of kosher certification organizations. I didn't know this. And you'll find it often right there on the label or at the beginning of the ingredients. And uh, uh, these marks, and, and there are others apparently that um, on packages that, that are on there that, uh, so Orthodox Jews can eat it because it has been processed in a kosher manner, right? And so it's an indicator there. And I didn't realize it was that prominent in, in today's society, that even still today on our labels that, um, but listen, how declaring food is clean or unclean taught spiritual truths fulfilled in Christ. Um, and so, therefore, these restrictions were abolished. And uh, they're done away with, right? And, and praise the Lord, I like bacon. And uh, so I saw a recipe the other day, and uh, it was a, I think it was a bacon ranch salad recipe. And it was looked delicious. It was a whole package of bacon cooked up with a piece of lettuce on top. <laughs> so that is delicious salad, if you ask me. So um, uh, I, I enjoy bacon. In, in, but not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. This defileth a man in Matthew fifteen eleven, and And so those things were, were done away. And we'll... Uh, in verse 16, it, it talks about the holy days and, and the Jewish feast, the new moon, and, and the celebrations of, of the lunar calendar there. And, and obviously, the Sabbath day refers to the weekly observance of the Sabbath from uh, sundown Friday until sundown Saturday. Uh, but look at what verse 17 says. And in, in, uh, I think this is key in, in the apostles' teaching here. Um, and it says, uh, kind of, why don't we need to observe these things? Is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't let people judge you in these things. And why is that? It says, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. And so these were things that were a shadow of what was coming. And we talked about Christ being all we need and fulfilling all of these things. And, and so, um, <clears throat> observe the advantage. I found this was good from Matthew Henry. Here's a quote. Observe the advantages we have under the gospel above what they had under the law. They had the shadows. We have the substance. And what a blessed thought to think about that they had these shadows and these things that were pictures of what was to come. And, and here in our day today, and, and even in, the, in this day after Christ, uh, uh, we have the substance. We have the fulfillment of all of these things. And uh, of all those things that we've talked about over the last uh, couple weeks. And, and what a blessing However, legalism appeals to our human natures. It really does. Um, and because obeying rules and regulations oftentimes inflates our spiritual egos and makes us self-righteous. Uh, we need to be careful with this. Um, uh, legalistic people are arrogant and judgmental oftentimes. Very much so. 
And I, I don't, I think when I was a younger person, I don't, praise the Lord, I don't really feel that way in this church. That's a, that's a blessing, right? You don't, you don't feel that. But I remember as a young Christian feeling that there was a lot of arrogance and people just being judgmental of, of me and, and my, how I was walking with the Lord. And, and I was just doing the best I could. I was doing what God, you know, all, I knew what to do. But there were, I felt like there were always these people just looking at me. Oh, look what that guy's wearing. Oh, look at that word he said. And, and all these outward things that they're judging me with. And uh, we need to be careful about this. And, and it, is, it has been a very negative aspect of our independent Baptist churches for a long time. And, uh, and again, thankful that we're not in a place like that here. And, and, uh, but uh, the epitome of legalism in Jesus' day were the Pharisees. Right, kind of the epitome of, of that idea or that that legalistic top uh, or type of uh, behavior, and uh, Jesus describes their pride and arrogance in a parable of the Pharisee and the wicked tax collector. Um, you you know that, or you're familiar with that passage there in in Luke. And uh, the Pharisee prays this in Luke eighteen eleven. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself: God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. What an arrogant prayer. Can you can think about that attitude going before God? Um, uh, what a shame. And, and, and he brags to God in verse 12. It says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And we kind of shake our heads and we think, wow, how ridiculous is that? But listen, if we're not careful, we can get that type of an attitude. And I know I've experienced that in church before, where, where people think they're, they're, they're just doing pretty good and, and God should be satisfied and happy with how they're conducting their life. Uh, but really, uh, Jesus deals with all that when he's talking about dealing with the heart. And, uh, and we understand those things when we see the teachings of Christ and how, hey, the yeah, you should have committed adultery, but listen, yeah, now be think about that in your heart. And so Jesus really was, uh, what an amazing thought there. And uh, everything the Pharisee says about himself is true. He wasn't lying. He, he did those things. They, the, the Pharisees were committed to doing those things and following the law and keeping all of those things. And, and, uh, but they became puffed up and uh, became arrogant and and, uh, but the despised tax collector simply and humbly prays this in verses 13 and 14 in Luke 18. And the publican, standing afar off, was not, uh, would not lift up so much as his eye unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And, and listen, we need to be careful of becoming legalistic in the way that we execute our Christian life. It is a danger because our flesh likes it. Um, I love the military because there are standards and rules. And so when I have a younger uh, or possibly even an older person in the military, uh, I can deal with them in a certain way because there are specific guidelines that say you must follow within this. I love the comfort of that. Um, but that's not the Christian life. And, and again, I remind you, actually, let's turn there. Romans 14. Um, 
I think this kind of really gets to the heart of, of, of the entire chapter here. Um, we could, um, I believe it's verse 13. Yeah, and we'll read down through verse 15, and it, it really kind of um, drives home the, the idea or the heart here of not being judgmental, not being legalistic with how we execute our, our Christian life and deal with other people in, in the church. And it says this in verse 13, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with the meat for whom Christ died. And so I believe that really kind of captures the spirit of the attitude that we ought to have. Uh, it doesn't matter if, if you think it's right or wrong or uh, if it's not explicit in the word of God, it doesn't matter. And we shouldn't hold to something so dearly that it begins to damage another. Um, that's very uh, detrimental to our churches. And, and uh, it just it creates division and, and frustration and, and challenges, really, that we don't need to deal with because Christ is the solution. And, and Christ has overcome all of those things, and He's fulfilled all of those pictures and, and the shadows that it was, it was portraying. And so... Uh, we need to have that. And, and so the tax collector was justified without any righteous acts of his own. Right? He just humbly prays to God, be merciful unto me, I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer you. And, and it's really crazy when you think of, of the arrogance of the Pharisee's prayer and, and all of those things that God had blessed him with, he's just returning to God. That's just absurd, right? He all the, oh, I tithe, right? Well, God gave you the 100% you had to begin with. Uh, you know, all these different things that you begin now trying to demonstrate and show that you were worthy of God, it, God gave you those to begin with. You have nothing to offer. Um, it, but anyway, and so when you come to God uh, just as a sinner needing mercy, uh, there's forgiveness there. And, and, and the, he did nothing of his own righteous acts but he could be justified, and why? And we know because for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Um, just the attitude of legalism is just, it's almost ridiculous when you think about it. It makes no sense. And, and um, we need to be careful. Legalism is danger to our churches even today. Just like it was in, 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 in the biblical day uh, when Jesus, and, and we, we see the the. Uh, the, the life of Christ and those things and how they dealt with them. Um, but regrettably, we see it too often in our circles. And I will say that I, in my travels in, in recent years, it doesn't seem to be quite as of an issue. And, and maybe it's because we went too far the other way, right? And we got this license, if you will, to just kind of do whatever we want. But, uh, but we need to be careful that... <clears throat> Mysticism teaches that uh, doctrines or messages from God can be received through meditation, dreams, or visions. And uh, I think we, kinda, we can make the application from these verses here. Paul begins his warning against this uh, by writing in verse 18, and let no man beguile you. And uh, we don't want to let anyone defraud us, spiritually speaking, if you will. And uh, how can we be defrauded spiritually? Uh, one way we can be defrauded, defrauded spiritually 
is by uh, the worshiping of angels. There in verse uh, 18 again in, in, in the middle part of that verse. And in Paul's day, there were false teachers that were saying God could not be approached directly through Christ, but only through certain angels, if you will, and, and, and those things. And, and uh, today they teach us that we must approach uh, <clears throat> through some saint or some mediator. Um, we don't need to name names, and, but, but that teaching is out there that we as individuals, don't have the ability to go directly to the Father, and that's contrary to the Word of God. Um, and, and again, Christ has made a way for us, and, and um, <clears throat> we don't need that. In, in 1 Timothy, I just want to remind you, 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We don't need anybody in between that. Nothing. And that's a blessing thing, a blessed thing to know, that, that if I need God, I can go directly to Him. Because um, what if the church is closed because of COVID? What do I do? Listen, there are people in our, in our uh, society today that are struggling because they don't have the access that they think that they need because maybe they were taught some of these things that you can't just go to God. Uh, how much more important that we ought to be sharing the truth with them. But, uh, but listen, we don't need that. And, and I'm so thankful that we don't need that. And, uh, verse, it talks about in, in uh, 18, in the latter part of that verse, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. And, and uh, kind of the idea of maybe having some visions and, and, uh, or some different things. And uh, it's kind of common today, maybe not maybe as much as we don't see it very often. Maybe on TV we see it a little more. Uh, prevalent and while mystics are having visions and other exciting spiritual experiences, the rest of us are limited to studying the Bible to see what God says about this. <laughs> right? I, obviously, I say that a little tongue in cheek, but um, here's what God says about that. And, and uh, we ought not to be uh, intimidated with you, if you will. Or Paul describes the mystics as being in, in last part of verse eight, vainly puffed up by the fleshly mind. And that's really, and all this, the legalism and all that kind of ties into all that. It's all about the flesh and, and being puffed up and pride. And, and, and uh, we need to be careful of those things. And, and their sinful minds have made them proud. Uh, they're arrogant uh, because of the sinful uh, minds that they have. And Jesus also describes these false teachers who want to defraud us spiritually and financially. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, I think Jesus does a great job describing it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And uh, we talked about last week and even the week before in, in verse 8 when it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you. There's danger out there. Um, it, and Jesus said there's, there's folks out there, false prophets, that... That, that, that appear good. They have the sheep's clothing on. Uh, but inside, they're wolves. And just seeking to devour and to take advantage and to misuse. And um, we need to be careful. And uh, Here's a truth that no Christian should ever forget. The flesh yearns for sensational, but the spiritual yearns for the relational. Just a relation. Uh, mystics talk about the sensational, spiritual Christians talk about the Savior. 
I mean, there's a lot of sensationalism today. Just looking for the feeling in those things. And, and uh, Paul goes on and he further explains the dangers of this. And it says, not holding the head. Uh, mystics do not elevate Christ. They elevate experiences and visions. Um, however, Christ is the head. And it goes on to say, from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases, increaseth with the increase of God. And, and uh, he's the head, and, and that's where our nourishment, we've talked about that in the recent weeks, about how our fullness is in him. And he has everything that we need, and he can provide all that nourishment. We can be rooted, built up in Christ. And... Um, <clears throat> We don't need visions or sensational experiences. All we need is Christ. And we don't need any of that stuff. And, and, uh, and it is, I think, loosely related. And, and I think that's why so many churches are appealing to those things. And, and they're attracting crowds, I guess, if you will, because they're using these things, these experiences, this sensationalism, if you will, and how they conduct their services. And, but they're missing the head. And according to this passage of the Word of God, it says, the head is from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered, right? So all that we need, they're missing the head, and so they don't have what they need. They don't have the nourishment. They're not built up, and, and uh, they're not knit together. And look, I love that God increases with the increase of God. God wants us to increase and to grow. Um, and a lot of times these things that are taking place that we see in some of the churches today, that's not happening. They just have this outward experience of excitement and fun, and, and it felt good. But when the service is over and they go home, they have nothing. They feel empty and, and, and lost. In many cases, they are lost. They're without Christ. But they had this experience that made them feel all good at the same time. So what do they do? They go back the next week and get this experience again. But when the tough times come and the challenges come, they're not rooted. They're not built up. They don't Because the head isn't there providing the nourishment that's necessary for them to grow and to flourish. And uh, <clears throat> Paul goes on here in verse 18 and, and uh, talk about the voluntary humility um, asceticism, I, th I think is how you pronounce that. And I went to the Googles and listened to it about 10 times, but I can never get it right. And, and you know, I'll blame it on ACE. I don't know. Um, so uh, funny story. I mean, maybe I don't have time, but uh, I was public school most of my life until high school. And my parents tried to homeschool me. I think I've shared this with most of you uh, have heard this. And they were going to homeschool me, but both my parents work full-time, and so I had these paces. I'm like, what are paces? I don't know what's going on here. And uh, so, and then, guess what? Here's a score sheet, too. School was pretty easy, right? And so my parents obviously caught on to this pretty quickly. So the second half of my freshman year is when they put me into the heritage program at Faith Baptist Church or Faith Baptist Academy, and I started going part-time for accountability, and they would score my work instead of me scoring it myself and those kind of things. But... When I took the test to find out where I placed, I was embarrassed. I'm, I'm a freshman in high school, and I was testing at the fifth grade level. And so I repeated all of those. And apparently it hasn't helped much because I still say lose and all kinds of stuff. But um, So I don't know. 
I don't know how I got off track here, but uh, asceticism. But, but we talk about this voluntary humility, if you will, and, and a self-abasement and self-denial is the idea, right, in, in these verses. And, and uh, <clears throat> it is the belief that spirituality comes pr- from depriving oneself. Uh, kind of ridiculous when you think about it. But anyway, uh, an ascetic is one who gives up everything to live in a monastery or, uh, or follow a false teacher. Uh, however, with Christ, we have died to these practices that Paul calls um, <clears throat> the rudiments of the world there in verse 20. Wherefore, if we be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, and, and so Paul calls it the rudiments, or we talked a little bit about that last week, the teaching, and he sums it up in verse 21, touch not, taste not, handle not. These prohibitions suggest that we touch or eat, or we don't touch or eat certain foods. Uh, we will be, if we do those things, we'll be spiritually hurt in some way. Um, but he goes on in verse 22, which are all to, uh, to perish with the using. Food does not stay with us. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, if, if you ate yesterday, you probably felt hungry at some point this morning already. And it doesn't stick around. And, and uh, we need to eat three or four times a day. Uh, therefore, whether we touched or have eaten food cannot hurt us spiritually, I guess, is what we're getting at here. Uh, Jesus explains why in Mark chapter 7, verses 18 and down through most of 19. And he saith unto them, are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever things were without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out in the drought, purging all meats. And, and so the idea of refraining from, from things and, and things to make us more spiritual is kind of ridiculous on the face of it. And, and, uh, but these folks, they teach that spirituality is measured by things that you give up. Um, not, uh, but it is really uh, a bunch of baloney. Um, but uh, spirituality is measured by the things that you give up and, and not what you do. Uh, kind of crazy to think about it that way. And, and uh, self-denial, um, according to verse 22, after the commandments and doctrines of men, not God. I think that's the key, Right? Sometimes we abstain from things because God's told us to abstain from those things. But, but the idea here is this is something that's of the rudiments of the world. It's, it's fleshly to be, and oftentimes we participate in abstaining because we want to, uh, out of pride or we're going to be puffed up in our fleshly minds here. And so sometimes we, we get this idea that we can be more spiritual if we deny ourselves. Uh, but it's after the commandments and doctrines of men. That's where it goes wrong, right? And, um, I have a good friend of mine, Jake Burkholder. <clears throat> he grew up in the Amish community. He was Amish, legitimate um, Amish, didn't have any electricity, didn't have any of the modern-day technologies. And he wasn't in one of the, there's some different uh, Amish communities. Some are a little more uh, liberal, I guess you would say, with some of the modern technologies, and others are more strict and, and don't allow those things. He was in a more strict one, and and his big thing that he thought was such an egregious issue in his life as a young person is he had a tape recorder or tape player hidden in the woods that his parents didn't know about. It was battery operated. I don't remember how he acquired this thing, 
But he felt so guilty because he would sneak off to the woods and listen. I believe it was Christian music even. But he felt so guilty because he had this modern device that used a battery. That's what we're talking about here. That, listening to good, godly music is not wrong, right? Whether it's recorded on a cassette tape. And if I said cassette tape to my kids, they'd be like, what are you talking about, Dad, a cassette tape? And, uh, but, but listen, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But, but there are people that teach if you abstain from these things, you're more spiritual than someone else. And, and, it, and it's a danger that we, we don't have this kind of an attitude because it can, it can affect our churches today. I'm more spiritual than you because I don't go to that place. I can't believe you go there. Man, you listen to that group? Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? I'm serious. These things happen. And listen, sometimes we don't say them out publicly, but it's right here in our heart. There might be times where somebody does need to grow in Christ. They're absolutely, right? But it's not our job to, to necessarily judge them on that. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to work there and allow God to do His work. And, and don't try to get all puffed up in our mind. I don't participate in that, so I'm better than you. That's ridiculous. Uh, it, 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 we might not call it, uh, call it by whatever name you want to call it. We need to be careful of these things. And the Apostle Paul, that's why it's, it's here. It's written. It's a warning. And uh, listen, if we're not careful, what will happen? We'll get puffed up. We'll get this attitude that we're better. And, and uh, <clears throat> these teachings have, in verse 27, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will, worship, and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. And, and kind of to paraphrase, if you will, all this stuff sounds spiritual, but it's really a bunch of baloney. Right? It, it sounds good. And, and listen, again, it appeals to us and to our flesh. And, and it sounds right. You know, when you see you got this intellect and he starts talking and, oh, yeah, and these things about the Word of God. And he's like, oh, man, that's, I didn't know that. And it sounds good, but, but it's really nothing. And uh, asceticism cannot help you conquer your sinful desires. Just abstaining for the sake of abstaining because you're spiritual is not going to help you conquer those things. And I, I know if we went around the room, each one of us struggle with different things. Um, and, and you know that to be true. And, and, but then what can we do to stop indulging in the flesh? Galatians 5.1, or excuse me, 5.16 uh, makes it pretty, pretty plain. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we begin walking in the Spirit. And walking or living by the Spirit emphasizes constantly relying on the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit for daily. Uh, daily decisions and actions. It's being led by the Holy Spirit of God. Conquering sinful desires is, is not obtained through, through asceticism, if you will, but by continually living under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference for us as Christians today. It's not, well, we're not doing it out of the flesh. We're just denying ourselves but we're being led of the Spirit of God and, and God's leading us and guiding us. And so maybe we do abstain from some things. Obviously we do. Um, but we need to be careful. Listen, don't be intimidated by others that might beguile you by the rudiments of the world. Stick to the book and the Holy Spirit will guide and direct you. That's the answer. Just stick to the book. Don't. Uh, and listen, I understand that we ought to be teaching and in and loving one another and helping one another. So don't misunderstand this. But listen, you don't need, 
doesn't matter what somebody else's opinion is. Uh, if you have a clear conscience with God, that's all you need. If you're living according to the Word of God and, and the Holy Spirit's directing you and you have a clear conscience, you're good. Uh, the Bible teaches us to worship God in spirit and in truth, not by ritual or observances. Those aren't the things that, that, that we ought to be doing. And, and uh, having abolished Ephesians 2.15 in the flesh, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make it himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Look at verse Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, right? And so we talk about that legalism going back and, and entangling ourselves. Um, in, in Romans, I'll, I'll close with this, Romans 14, 13, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. That's what it's all about. It's not about being legalistic and, 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 or sensational or all these things, but, uh, but just letting everyone give an account to their master. And you do the same. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that the lesson went forth and it was uh, understandable. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to make application. And, Lord, that we would have the right spirit and attitude toward uh, other believers. And, Lord, that you would help us to love one another. And, Father, that we would be bound together in unity. And, Lord, I know that as we each strive to, to please you, that, Lord, we will have common ground. And Father, now we pray for your blessing on the service to follow. We ask that you would fill with the Spirit of God and that you do a work and save the lost and challenge believers. I pray that you be with our preacher, fill him with the Spirit, Lord, and give him power. I pray that the Word of God would go forth with free course. And Lord, that you would be glorified in all of it. And we'll give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.